we're just going to go with the Holy Ghost on there's a miracle in your mouth. Now, Pastor, he has talked about the last word standing is doing the commanding, and he's done such a good job of it that really there's just crumbs left. But tonight we're going to sweep the crumbs up off the floor that are left. There's just a few things that we could say about it and we're going to sweep those crumbs up and eat the crumbs. We talked about talking about miracles creates an atmosphere for miracles. We didn't talk about your confession so much as we just talked about talking about miracles talking about what God has done, talking about God, the deeds of the Lord. We looked at 1 Chronicles 16, 8 and 9. It said, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. And we talked about what we need to be talking about when we're together. And when we left last Sunday night, people in this church were standing around talking about God and his miracles. Amen. And it was an awesome thing. And I trust you've been talking about miracles this week. We talked about talking about other people's miracles, not just talking about your own miracles, but talking about other people's miracles. I know my grandmother was a great one. If she ever went to a full gospel business men's meeting, which that's mostly what they were about, is somebody giving testimony about a miracle and they ate too. They had miracles and prayed for people and did all sorts of things like that. But he always came home and you know, this was even before we got Phil's spirit and we were kind of like, okay, Granny. But Granny was like me. Granny liked to tell stories and so Granny would relay the whole testimony of somebody back to us. You know, now I'm interested, but she's gone on to be at the Lord. Then I wasn't interested as much because before we were filled with spirit. Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And so not just talking about the miracles miracles that we've seen are the miracles of our day that we've heard about. But talking about those things of old, those things in the Bible, do y'all remember what it says about how the, the ass talks and the, the axe head float? There's all sorts of miracles in the Old Testament. A lot of the miracles of the Old Testament aren't all that positive. People like the prophets of Baal died. I mean, it was a miracle. But anyway, we're to talk of those works, those wonders. Talk about the miracles Jesus did. So talk about those wonderful things. Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. But tonight we're going to take a little bit of a shift and we're going to talk about there is a miracle in your mouth. Say, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Debbie. If you need a divine intervention, it's in your mouth. If you need a breakthrough, the breakthrough is in your mouth. If you need healing, that healing is in your mouth. Hallelujah. If you need turnaround tonight, turnaround is in your mouth. The Lord spoke to me yesterday and he said, tell them you need to get in the miracle business. You need to get in the miracle business. Say, I am in the miracle business. Say, I have a mouth. Therefore, I can get in the miracle business. Amen. If you have a mouth, you can get in the miracle business. Amen. Turn to Isaiah 57, verse 19. Now, I promise I had this sermon yesterday, and pastor was just getting my scriptures this morning. But I said, well... This is what I got, so I'm going to go with it again. So like I said, we're going to sweep up the few little crumbs he left. Isaiah 57, verse 19. It says, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is far off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. 
don't know how you take this verse, but I take this verse to mean that you can speak over people that are far off. You can say peace, peace to them that are far off, or you can say it to them that are near, hallelujah, but that there's no distance, that this stuff will work. These creative words, they will work peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. So our words are very powerful. That word create, I create the fruit of the lips, create, it means to create. So when we speak words, we create, though it equally means this, it could mean cut down. Sometimes our words need to cut down some stuff. We need to use the words of our mouth to cut some things down, to cut some things off. We can cut down strife. We can say no in Jesus' name. We refuse strife in this house. That's cutting down strife. I create the fruit of thy lips. That word lips there means speech. Isaiah 57 verse 19. I create the fruit of the lips. So he said to create means to cut down and lips means speech. I create the fruit of your speech or I create whatever you speak, that's what I create. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. The Lord told me in the prayer room tonight, the Lord said to say over Word of Life Church, lacking in nothing, lacking in nothing. James chapter 1 verse 4, it says lacking in nothing. But the Lord said that that's to be our confession over Word of Life Church, lacking in nothing. So when we talk about the ushers ministry, we lack in nothing. When we talk about the nursery ministry, we lack in nothing. When we talk about children's church, we lack in nothing. When we talk about parking lots, we lack in nothing. When we talk about finances, we lack in nothing. Hallelujah. This is to be our confession. We could take this home with us too. I believe we ought to be saying this at home. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hallelujah. The Amplified actually goes on to say, I shall not want or lack for any good or beneficial thing. Something to that effect. Now, Jeremiah 1.12, are you there? Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Hasten means to be on the alert, to be sleepless, to watch for it, to be on the lookout. I hasten my word to perform it. So this would say that God is alert. He is listening for His word. He's listening for somebody to speak his word. He's not sleeping and he is watching for it. He's on the lookout for his word. Why? That word word there means promise. For his promise. It literally means promise. Remember there's the 8,000 promises in the word of God. There's something to cover everything. And he's looking for us to speak a promise. And we know that it says in Peter that it's by the exceeding great and precious promises that we escape the corruption that's in this world through lust. And so he's looking for somebody to speak a promise. Then he says to perform it means to accomplish it. So the Lord is being alert. He's looking out for somebody to speak a promise so he can accomplish it. So he can perform the promise. So we need to be speaking a lot of promises, decreeing them, declaring them. Hallelujah. Turn to Romans chapter 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. This is so important. When Christ paid the price, when Jesus paid that price in redemption, it ended the law as far as righteousness was concerned. No more does anybody get righteous or please God or get the approval of God by keeping the law or by keeping a set of rules and regulations. 
For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. So Moses said that if you would do the law, you could be righteous. If you would keep all of the law, you could be righteous. And we know in verse 6, though, it says, But the righteousness which is of faith. Now we see we're of a different dispensation. We're of a different realm. We are now of the faith realm. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart. And he's telling us what not to say here. Don't say this. Say not in thine heart. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what he's saying there is, don't say this. Don't say things like, I just need somebody to help me. Who can help me? I just need help. Don't say that, he says. Don't say things like that. Don't say, I'm believing for God to do something. Don't say, I'm believing God's going to do something. I'm believing for God to do something. He said, don't say that. It's useless. It's futile. To say, I'm believing God's going to do something. I've heard people say this. I remember one lady specifically would say, God's just got to do something here. And that is futile to say those kind of things. That's futile. Because why? Because God already did something. He already did everything He's going to do. He already sent Jesus. The answer's already come. The answer's already done. And so for us to say God's got to do something is like saying God needs to come down from heaven again and He needs to do something. He needs to go to the cross again because I need something. God needs to do something for me. I need something. I'm believing in God to do something. He said, don't say that, but say this. Verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So it's futile to say, God, you just need to do something. He says, no, the word is nigh you, even in your heart and in your mouth. You do something. Amen. That's what he says. Paul said, three times I sought the Lord. I went to him and I said, God, take this thorn away from me. And then he said, God got my attention. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What he was saying is, Paul, I've already been to the cross. I've already done this. Now you do something. You take care of it. The word of faith is nigh you. He said, the word of faith is nigh you, even in your heart, and it's in your mouth. Now get busy speaking it, because that's how you're going to get help. It's not going to be by saying, God, I need some help. God, when are you going to do something? God, I need a breakthrough. No, the word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Your miracle is in your mouth. It's not in God's hand. God already did everything on the cross through Jesus to supply every need you would ever have. And so it's not in His hands anymore. It's now become in your heart and in your mouth, and you've got to speak it. You've got to do what Job said, decree a thing, and it shall be established. And His light then will shine on it. He will hook His anointing up with what you decree and declare and speak. He'll hook his anointing up with it. Remember when Moses was standing by the Red Sea, he gave us a picture of this. And Moses was like, God, you need to do something. Here's this sea. Here's this army coming behind him. And God said, what is that in your hand? You do something. And he told him to raise that rod up. Now, the word is the rod. 
Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I always translate this when I quote this verse. Thy word and thy spirit, they comfort me. God's not using a shepherd's hook to comfort me. He's not using a rod and hitting me. I've never had God hit me with a rod. Amen. But thy word and thy spirit, they comfort me. The word is the rod. The word is the rod. And so Moses, when he raised that rod and parted that sea, it was symbolic of us taking the word and parting the sea. So he said, quit saying these things. They're futile. And they get you nowhere. And it causes the church to look like we're powerless. It causes the church to look like God doesn't answer prayer. Why? Because he's not going to answer stuff like that. He's already done it. So you take your words and you begin to speak and you begin to part the waters and you begin to declare and you begin to decree and he will create the fruit of your lips. If you send your words far off or if you send them near. We know that's true because a lot of people sent their words very far off and remember the Berlin Wall fell with not one shot being fired because people were sending words all over the earth. People that didn't live in Germany were sending words to that wall that it had to fall and it fell. Communism fell because people were sending words to those that were far off and to those that are near. We send those words. That's good stuff, isn't it? Hallelujah. And then, of course, Mark eleven twenty three. Pastor covered that this morning. You have whatsoever you say. So the miracle is in your mouth. The miracle is not up to God. The miracle is in your mouth. It's what you say. And the last words you've said, and you know, we need to go back and see what did we say? What did we say? So many people have said things they don't even know they've said. And we are going to have to let the Holy Spirit shine His light on us, and we have to dig up wrong things that we've said. I think the Lord wants me to talk tonight a little bit about how do you dig up a wrong confession. This is how you dig up a wrong confession is when you say something and you know it immediately, you say, I renounce that, I refuse it in Jesus' name, and then I declare what I'm supposed to be saying. And so that's how you can dig up a seed. Now, if it's been a long time ago and you know you said something, maybe you know you said things over your kids, and now you're wishing your kids would do different, but you were speaking things, or sometimes we just spoke nothing. Well, then we need to repent and ask the Lord to forgive us, ask the Lord to minister life to our kids where we minister death with our tongue. Ask the Lord, according to Psalm 23, 1, to restore their soul. Because those words that you spoke over your children affected their soul or whatever, you know. Restore their soul. Father, I'm asking you to restore their soul. And then you begin to speak over them words of life that are for now. Over my sons, my grown sons, Colin and Eric, I speak Psalm 112 over them. I say they are men that fear the Lord. It goes on to say that their hearts are established, that wealth and riches, just about every good confession that you'd want to say over your sons is in Psalm 112. Or your husband, I can speak that over pastor. I spoke that over pastor for years. And I'm telling you, I got it. I got a rock. He is a rock of strength. And I, he's not always been that way. 
He wasn't that way when I married him when he was 20 years old. He wasn't a rock of strength spiritually, but the words, they begin to create it. Over my daughter-in-laws, both of them, and I don't do this every day, but I do it two or three times a week. You can do it every day to get your heart established in it, but I'm in faith about it. I speak Proverbs 31. They're virtuous women. Hallelujah. And it talks about their clothing's fine linen and purple. I think they'd agree with that. And then there's some other things. They rise early while it's yet night and prepare spiritual food for their households. Hallelujah. And different things like that. Then over my grandchildren, I say a number of things. I say Ephesians chapter 6. I say Carter and Caitlin, that they obey their father and mother in the Lord, that they honor their father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it might be well with them, they might live long upon the earth. And then I say, my grandchildren, Carter and Caitlin, are disciples taught of the Lord, and great is their peace and undisturbed composure. That's out of Isaiah. These are things that I speak. I speak these promises. You don't have to spend hours making lengthy confessions. It only takes really one. Hallelujah. But you know, so whatever's in your heart to speak, but you can get under the law even of like, well, I have got to read all these confessions because you can even get under the law and you're reading confessions and your mind's wandering and your heart's not in it. It's more important to speak two or three things in faith and your heart's in it. Nobody in here has hours and hours to speak, but we speak these things that we want to be over our kids. I pray Psalm 89 over pastor. And one of the things it says is God lays help upon him. And I pray that God will lay help upon it. It says his throne will be like days of heaven. And Brother Hagin said that he had a prophecy one time. And he said, you pastors, your pulpit will be as a throne to you. And so I say that. I say, Father, I thank you that my husband's pulpit is as a throne to him. And I thank you, Father God, that he has days of heaven on the earth. Amen. And I speak that over him. In Psalm 112, let me just clear up something for you because you might get to that and wonder what it means. And, and this is how I speak it. I want you to know how to speak these things because you're creating miracles. You're creating people changing. Listen, folks, people don't just change for no reason. And some of you are sitting around waiting on God to do something. And he says, no, I create the fruit of thy lips. Send the words from far off if you have to, or if it's near. Hallelujah. But it says, verse 9, he has dispersed. That means they give. My sons give. They give to the poor. Their righteousness endureth forever. And their horn, horn is anointing. Strength and dignity shall be exalted with honor. The wicked see it, and they are grieved. They gnash their teeth, and they melt away. And the desire of the wicked shall perish. I say, the desire of the wicked shall perish. Any wicked person that has some kind of desire or lawsuit against them, that thing perishes. But also, another thing I like to say is the desire of the wicked shall perish, and every wicked desire of the righteous. Because I tell you what, I've had some righteous people, because they were saved, and so God technically had to call them righteous. But they had some very wicked desires towards me and pastor. And every pastor has had this. And you may have some of it too. You may have somebody at work that gnashes their teeth at you. And they may be saved as they can be, but they have wicked desires. And so I say the wicked desires of the righteous perish also. Amen. And you know what? God sustained us through a lot of storms with just these scriptures. So we speak these things. Now turn to Proverbs 18 verse 20. Some of this stuff I kind of learned picking here and there. I would have liked it many years ago if somebody had told me, what in the world do I speak? You know, when I was first starting out. And, you know, I just picked these things up here and there. 
It says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Now, God's given us a really big key to how to feed ourselves spiritually. Because we know the Bible says, out of his belly in the King James, or innermost being in the other versions, shall flow rivers of living water. So we know he's talking about our spirit man. And so our spirit man is satisfied with, or fed with the fruit of our mouth, with the increase of our lips shall we be filled. You know, if you just speak a little bit, then you're going to be a little bit filled. But he said, if you'll increase the fruit of your lips, you'll be filled all the way. Amen. Not just a little satisfied, but filled up all the way. The fruit of our mouth is according to our talk. Say this with me. I talk miracles. Amen. So he said he's satisfied. He's filled and fed. And the increase of his lips, increase means more, more speech. And satisfied means filled to satisfaction. So we feed our spirit with our lips and we need to increase what we're saying. A lot of us are saying some good things, but we just need to increase it. We just need to increase it. Remember in Mark eleven twenty three, where he says, believe one time, and he uses the word say three times. So well, you got to do three times more saying than you do believing. And a lot of people are just relying on their believing, trying to get stuff with their believing, but you three, you three times more saying than you do believing. I guess we could just say it this way. If you said it once, say it two more times, at least. Just make a practice of saying it throughout the day as you're driving and as you're walking and as you're washing dishes and cleaning house and doing all those kind of things, making a practice of that. Hallelujah. Now turn to Isaiah 45, 11. I think I finally found one scripture pastor didn't use. Maybe. This is the only crumb he left on the floor. Isaiah 45, verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. That is so powerful. Listen to this. Concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. This is, saith the Lord. God is saying, concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. You want me to do something in the earth? Command ye me. You want me to do something to earth? Don't just ask me, command me. We kind of don't feel good about that. But when you realize, when you decree a thing, when you say something, that's what God hastens over to perform. Now let's look at this a minute. Concerning the work, the deeds, is what that means, of my hands. Actually, when I went to the Hebrew and looked up my hands, it said my open hand. I liked that. I got excited. God has an open hand towards us. He doesn't have a clenched fist. He doesn't have a closed hand. He's got an open hand concerning the work of my open hands. Command ye me. And command ye means me says give a charge. Send a command. Send a messenger. Give a charge. Send a command. Send a messenger. So you begin to command things. I command that loan to go through. I command favor on this project. You begin to command things and God begins to back your words up because you have the authority in the earth and He's given you that. Now we don't command anything that's against His word, but as long as we're in line with His word, we are free to command. We are free to decree the promises of God. Favor is one of the promises. We're free to declare favor. We are free to decree these things. Hallelujah. And it's what we say that we're going to have. Not what we hope. Not what we pray. Because you could be praying, ask God to do something, speaking something different. 
And a lot of people do that. They get down, oh, Father God, I ask you to heal this person. Then they get up and say, boy, I tell you, you know, they looked pale today. You know, they were really weak when we went in their room. But see, they've just asked God to heal, and then they're not speaking those things. Here's what God said to me in the prayer room. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. Write this down. He said, decree it, believe you receive it, and don't judge it. What he was saying is, you decree something, I decree, let's just say you've got a lump on your body. I decree this lump to be gone in Jesus' name. I believe I receive this from you, Lord. Believe you receive it, then don't judge it. That means don't look at it and say, well, it didn't go. Amen. See, that's judging it. Don't judge it. Don't judge it. I remember Brother Hagin talking about Pat having a little, I think it was like a little sty. I don't know what it was, but something on her eye. And he prayed, commanded it to fall off, and he believed he received. And then it was still there for several days. But he would not allow himself to look at it. When she would come up to him, like to ask Daddy, Daddy, because she was a little girl, he would look the other way. He would not even look at her because he was not going to judge that thing. Decree it. Believe you receive it and don't judge it. Now this is important also when you move out into another realm. We've been talking here about getting your life straightened out, getting your words straightened out, getting miracles flowing in your life. But did you know there's a higher place to go than that? There's a place we can go where we begin to decree for cities and we begin to decree for nations and we begin to decree things. And God doesn't use us to decree for cities and nations until he can trust us. In other words, if we've got a horrible confession in our own life, he's not going to call on you and say, would you speak this over Tuscaloosa County? But as we begin to walk in our authority and we begin to have some accountability in our words and we begin to judge ourselves in our words and repent quickly when we miss it, then he will begin to use us into another realm where he has us speak things for other people and for nations and has us speak out over our city. I have this prophecy from Brother Hagin that he gave in Detroit in 1989 and I'm not going to read the whole thing but he says something that there's a work, there's a ministry that must be accomplished, there's an army that must arise and walk, 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 walk in the realm of the Spirit, talk, 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 talk in the power of the Spirit, listen to that, it's so powerful when we can talk in the power of the Spirit, minister, minister, minister with the manifestation of the Spirit, endowed, endued with power from on high, with the full equipment to stand in the office unto which you are called, to speak as the oracle of God. See, if you can't get control over your mouth for your own life, you'll never speak as the oracle of God and speak to nations and so forth. To speak and devils will tremble. See, that's another place to walk in. When you begin to have some authority in your life, you begin to develop your words and take your authority. Listen, if you can't speak to the pain in your ankle and make it disappear, make it go with your words. And you know, the time lapse in that gets shorter and shorter, I'll tell you. As you grow in your authority and in your faith in your authority in Christ, the first time you try to do something like that, you know, two weeks later, you're still standing in faith for that pain to disappear. But I tell you, you can get to a place where, you know, in 10 minutes, it's gone. In 10 minutes, the headache's gone. You can get to a place where you quit taking aspirin where you're just speaking to headaches. No, I command you. I refuse you, headache. Get off of my head in Jesus' name. You grow in that, but first thing you've got to do is start doing that first before you run to the bottle and say, well, where's the aspirin? 
And then you take two aspirin and it doesn't go away. Father, I believe you to heal me. You started out all wrong. Hey, the Sunday night crowd, we need to grow up. And it's time for us to speak first. And then two hours later, as you've continued to speak, maybe you do go take two aspirin and you say, I'm going to get better at this, Lord. I'm developing my faith in my authority. And how do you develop that faith? Through meditating on the Word of God. Okay, so he goes on to say, to speak as of the oracles of God, to speak and devils will tremble, to speak and nations will change. See, he's looking for people that will speak to their own bodies so that he can get you to the place where you can speak and nations will change. I don't know about you, but I can't take any credit for the Berlin Wall unless I prayed it in tongues because I was not speaking to that thing because I didn't have that revelation then. But I found after it fell, there was a whole bunch of people, like at prayer school at Raymond and so forth, they were speaking to that Berlin Wall and telling it to Paul, and I'm sure people all over the earth. But you know, we've got to get grown up past the point where we're just thinking about our own needs all the time. And the way we get to the place where we're not thinking about our own needs all the time is to get to the place of maturity of faith where we're getting our needs met. Where we develop and we mature and we meditate on the Word of God till we really believe we have authority. And bless God, we don't take the devil's crud anymore. To speak and whole cities will change and the glory of God shall be in manifestation. Your heart shall have much cause for rejoicing. I'm preparing an army for these last days and you have a part in that preparation. Now our part in the preparation is that we learn these things. We learn these things about our authority. We learn how to pray. We learn how to use the word of God. How to stand on the promises. Man, we can't help anybody else by speaking the word of God if we don't believe it. Listen, if you don't believe it works when you've got the flu, it ain't going to work for you to speak it over somebody that's in Birmingham that's got the flu, afar off. Hallelujah. You've got to get this stuff working in your life. And we're growing in that, aren't we? Romans 4, 17. And as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now let's just squeeze a little bit out of this. Pastor went over this scripture, but let's squeeze on it a little. Calleth those things that be not as though they were. That calleth means to bid for. To bid for it. Come, okay, okay, come on, come on. See, that's what you're telling it. Come on. Come to me. Come to me. Hallelujah. You bid for it. It means also to calleth forth. It means to calleth out loud. If you don't get out loud, you're never going to get far in this spiritual walk. So it's to call out loud. To Actually, it means to name. You know, we're the name it and claim it crew. Name it. What do you want? Name it. I make how much a month? Name it. Name it. Decree it. Declare it. Not, oh God, I wish I could have a raise. Oh God, you know how much, you know, we can't pay our bills. Oh God, oh Jesus, help us, oh Lord. Oh Father, just help us make ends meet this month, dear God. That is so wimpy. Calleth. Now here, the Greek puts this right here where it says, calleth those things which be not as though they were. The Greek puts it in a little different order. Calleth those things not that be as though they were. Calleth those things not that be as though they were. In other words, don't call the things that be as though they are. In other words, don't look at a tumor and say, that's a tumor. Don't call things that be as though they are. Don't call it like it is. Have you ever heard somebody say, I just call it like it is? Don't call it like it is. 
Don't say, oh, this car's just worn out. That's calling it like it is. Don't say, my kids just don't obey me. That's calling it like it is. They may not be in obeying you, but you've got to create something different with your words. Now turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus showed us two examples right in the same chapter of somebody that decreed a thing. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. We need to watch very carefully what Jairus says. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. Do y'all see faith in those words? She shall live. He didn't say, and I hope she'll get better if you'll come. No, he said, if you'll come lay your hands on her, she shall live. See, he was decreeing a thing, wasn't he? And Jesus went with him. That was the last word standing. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, listen to what she says very carefully, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. See, she decreed a thing. I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. See, we just celebrate in the church how God healed the woman with the issue of blood. That's really not, I mean, he did heal her. It was his power, but really he doesn't take the credit for it. Jesus doesn't even take the credit for it. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, I can't take credit for this miracle. What did he say? Thy faith hath made thee whole. He could have explained it out further and he could have said, you decreed a thing and it was established. The last word you spoke, that's what I was able to perform. Amen? It's not that God doesn't get all the glory. He does. Because so understand me here. God does get all the glory because it is all by His grace. The fact that she could even think to say these words was His grace. So He does get the glory. But on the other hand, He doesn't take all the responsibility. And so we give him the glory, but she had a responsibility. And if she had not done her part, she would not have gotten healed that day. And see, we celebrate the miracles of Jesus without realizing that it's not just God walking around in the flesh, waving his hand over people like it was a magic wand and instant things happening. And so we come to church and we think the pastor ought to be able to do that for us or the evangelist that's in, you know, when we have a camp meeting, they ought to be able to do those things for us. But it has a lot to do with what we said when we came in, whether we're going to get something from them. See, it's up to us. The anointing's in people, the gift's in people. It's not according to the person. You draw on the gift that's in someone. You don't draw on the person. Don't draw on Debbie Billings. Don't draw on Michael Billings because you'll come up with nothing. There's been a supernatural gift placed in the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. 
And the Bible says, with joy, we draw from the wells of salvation. We draw from the wells of salvation and the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher in the New Testament are the wells of salvation that we draw from. So we draw on them and what we're able to get out depends on what we said coming in. You know, I've heard more people say, I came to church today and I said I will not leave until God speaks to me. It will always draw. I mean, when that's sincerely said, that will always draw something right out of the pastor as far as the gifts of the Spirit. We're having as much gifts of the Spirit in this church as y'all are drawing. We're having as much healing in this church as y'all are drawing because it's not up to me. I don't have an abracadabra. I mean, all I've got is I pray and I stir up the anointing that's inside of me and anybody that wants to believe and draw on it can have it and can have healing. And pastor does the same thing. So you draw on those things. They drew on Jesus and they drew on that gift. She said, I'll touch the hem of his garment. I don't even have to touch him. Just let me touch his clothes and I shall be healed. And then he said, uh, go in peace, behold of thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue, we're in verse 35, synagogue's house, certain which said, thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, wait a minute, Last word standings doing the commanding. Let me ask you something. Did those people that said she's dead have any authority over her? No, they weren't her father or mother. They had no authority over her. So it wasn't their words that made the difference. It was whatever Jairus was going to say. And Jesus stopped him before he could say anything. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get afraid. Don't be afraid. Only believe. In other words, stick with the last words you said. What was the last words you said? If you'll come, Jesus, and lay hands on her, my daughter shall live. Hallelujah. And that was the words that Jesus could still take and he could go to her house. And if he had said, oh my, it's too late. Jesus, I wish you could have come. I'm so mad at that lady for interrupting you. You know, if he had said any of those things, it had all been over. She had been dead. They'd have had to bury her. Jesus called him and said, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. You know, hallelujah. Don't say anything you'll regret. Hallelujah. Because if you can keep your confession positive, the last word standing will do the commanding. Now in the prayer room tonight, one of the prayers heard this. Heard these words. Stand and command. And when she told me that, I said, that's what we're supposed to do tonight. We're supposed to stand and command. So Kevin's going to come to the piano so we can command to our little heart's content. And I can't command over your life. But what do you need? Do you need to speak to a mountain? Do you need a loan to go through? Do you need money to come? Do you want to raise? What do you need? Somebody say, well, I want all of those things. Okay, let's say it different. What do you have faith for tonight? What do you have faith to command? In Jesus' name, maybe you need to speak to some lumps, bumps, and gross. Maybe you need to speak to some of the organs of your body. If they've told you that something's elevated, some level or something, then you speak to it to go back and you tell those levels to be normal. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Praise God. So we're going to stand and command. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You start commanding.